It's time for InsureTalk with insurance industry tech geek and Guidewire chief evangelist, Laura Drabik. In this podcast series, we don't just talk about innovative ideas in PNC insurance. We talk with industry trailblazers about the big ideas they made happen and how they did it. If you're looking for insights on the trends and technologies reshaping the industry, an all-new InsureTalk starts now. Welcome to InsureTalk. I'm Laura Drabeck, Chief Evangelist at Guidewire. In this special midsummer edition of Insure Talk, the mic gets flipped on me when I'm the guest being interviewed about trends and technologies reshaping the PNC industry. Listen in as I join Ash Farage, host of the Insure Break podcast series from Zalros, for an in-depth conversation about harnessing the power of insure tech ecosystems to your competitive advantage. Enjoy. She is a globally recognized property and casualty insurance thought leader, TED Talk presenter, subject matter expert, and most importantly, chief evangelist at Guidewire Software. We are joined today by Laura Drabic. Laura, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. To begin, can you give us some insight into your background, how you got started in insurance? I actually started my career many years ago working for the largest insurance company in the world, both on the claims and then on the agency side of the business, then transitioned into working as a consultant for a couple of very large firms and have spent the last couple decades working in the insurance software industry. What was your first role in insurance? My first role in insurance was working as an adjuster. And you know what, Ash? I wouldn't trade it for the world. It provided me with so much experience and insight that I still leverage today, how to read people, how to listen, how to investigate, all very helpful traits in current positions. What is your role now? I joined Guidewire as one of the early employees working in sales when we were pre-IPO with less than 10 customers and one solution, which was Claim Center. Now we have over 500 customers. We've expanded into policy and billing, and we also offer digital and data solutions. In my current role as chief evangelist, I serve as the brand ambassador, evangelizing our story, our journey, industry innovation themes that I see within the market. And I also serve as the hub for industry intelligence and direction. And one thing that I'm particularly interested in that's part of my responsibilities is that I launch and lead our InsureTech incubator, which is called the InsureTech Vanguards. What kind of companies are you investing in? Obviously, InsureTech. Is there more specific than that? We are interested in early stage InsureTech startups. One of the requirements is we're looking at those startups that would help to evolve the functionality that we offer integrating to our core. And then the second element is they can't compete with our core. And then our goal is to actually incubate them into full-fledged partners and integrations to our insurance suite platform. Sounds very exciting. I mean, probably something that you enjoy doing, I assume. I absolutely do. It's exciting. It's entrepreneurial working with the startup leaders, but also because I started in insurance, it's fun to think about how the early days of Laura could have been helped working in either claims or agency or working with our policyholders. It's just really exciting to see how the industry has evolved in general through them. So in your opinion, then how have InsureTech startups changed the way traditional insurers operate and what advantages do they bring to the industry? So InsureTechs don't just change our industry, they really help carriers to evolve it. InsureTech advances in artificial intelligence, mobility, data analytics, and other technologies really help to transform our industry. InsureTechs bring different innovation, ideas, perspectives to the tables. They bring different ways of working and entrepreneurial spirit. And they really allow carriers to offer new 
new services that empower consumers or digitize payments and more, which in the end really helps the policyholder. So when you combine that with what insurers offer, which is regulatory expertise, deep industry knowledge, historical and experiential data and reliability and a foundation to the customer life cycle, the two of these together, they create whole new value propositions. And to the policyholder, they're getting improved service because of this partnership. They're getting omni-channel experience and personalized products, rates and coverages and fresh new products that better suit the needs of our industry and our consumer today. And then on the flip side of that, the carrier benefits through collaboration by becoming innovation leaders. And then I'll leave it with a stat from Accenture that the revenue gap between innovation leaders and laggards in the PNC sector could top 37% by the end of this year. As much as $200 billion in revenue will be driven by new risks, products, and services between now and 2025. So insurers can capitalize on this. And then, of course, the policyholder benefits from what they create. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, are you seeing insurers try to develop technology in-house or are they collaborating more with insurtech-focused companies? What's that like? I see both. So a lot of insurance carriers in the early days started these innovation garages, if you will, like the early days of HP. There are so many brilliant ideas out there and fresh young minds that are seeing tech and insurance differently. What I am seeing a trend with is the carriers bringing some of those insure techs in-house and experimenting with them. But again, it's both, which is positive because that means it's collaborative. You mentioned in one of your articles that one key advantage of the insure tech ecosystem is the ability to access and leverage new data sources. Could you expand on how this data is being used to improve underwriting and claims processes? I think everyone probably listening to this will understand and agree with the statement that ecosystems are foundational to today's most innovative operating models, and more importantly, tomorrow's. Take, for example, usage-based pay-as-you-drive auto coverage or motor coverage, depending upon which part of the globe you're located. It's predicated on ecosystems. It doesn't work without an ecosystem. And that ecosystem spans telematics, mobile connectivity, automobile or smartphone manufacturers, and more. All of these partners working together and tied into hopefully an insurer's core system like Guidewire. For this model to work, Ash, it requires these new forms of data from these integration points that I just mentioned. So all of this data input, it allows the insurer, most importantly, to personalize their pricing, their underwriting to fit every single risk. And in addition to that, it also helps them to improve their claim servicing because this data can be used not only to automatically trigger a claim or alert emergency services, et cetera. All of this data can be used to automate and then move a claim along in a very personalized way, including, like I said, scheduling services, creating accurate reserves. I mean, that's really important. And then even automating claims payout. But this is a result of these new data sources coming in from these new data entry areas, and in particular, IoT. Yeah. And then, and also people are just more willing to share data and information to save on insurance. I couldn't agree more, Ash. And in fact, we just ran a survey in EMEA and the result of that showed that a significant, like in the 60s percentile of consumers that we interviewed said they would share data with an insurer if it resulted in personalized pricing. So I think you're spot on. 
We'll continue this conversation from my recent guest interview on the InsureBreak podcast series in just a moment. And if you'd like to learn more about how InsureTech ecosystems are transforming PNC insurance, don't miss the latest episode of my two-minute tech trends video series at drabicdigest.com. We'll be right back. Digging Insure Talk with Laura Drabic? Be sure to subscribe on Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, rate the show on Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Insure Talk, where we're listening to an abbreviated version of my recent appearance on the Insure Break podcast from Zalros. The topic, achieving the ecosystem advantage. Insurers are still struggling to fully integrate InsureTech solutions into their operations. What are some of the challenges facing traditional insurers and what steps can they take to overcome them and remain competitive in a rapidly changing environment? Believe it or not, we actually hear this a lot. It is the inspiration for our partner Connect and our InsureTech Vanguards programs, both of them. And again, Vanguards is our early stage incubator, which feeds the partner Connect program. But what our customers tell us, which is the carriers, is they're looking for help with understanding the InsureTech landscape and also vetting it and curating it. So that is our goal with developing both of these programs. So in both programs, we curate, we vet, we search out industry leaders like Zalros, of course, which is one of our valued partners. And also for our Partner Connect program, they're responsible for building out integrations to our core insurance suite solution. So the carrier, our customer can turn on and off these new value props to extend the service they provide their policyholders or just innovate on what they're already delivering. So we hear this problem a lot. We see it as an opportunity. It's why we developed these two programs near instant on off of these insured tech value propositions to extend the life cycle. And these pre-built integrations, I should add, they dramatically reduce the time to market for getting these value props from insurance carriers ideation to actually in the field to their consumers. This is kind of a tangent question, but I'm just curious. Do you feel like the macroeconomics impact how insurers decide to spend their money and whatnot? Without a doubt. And there's two sides of that coin, right? It's how it's affecting the insure tax, which I don't think I need to explain there. It's been pretty obvious with some exit and some mergers and then the reduction in investments. And then there's the flip side of that with the carriers. Ash, I run these innovation sessions at headquarters and the most frequently requested session with me, I've never seen numbers like this before, is carriers coming from around the globe to hear about our InsureTech Vanguards to see where they can put investment dollars. Because right now their dollar goes farther with InsureTech investment. So we see carriers that are taking the economy as an opportunity and looking at where they can invest in InsureTech. As more and more consumers turn to online marketplaces for their insurance needs, how is the InsureTech industry responding to the shift in consumer behavior? And are there any particular InsureTech solutions or technologies that are especially well-suited to the marketplace model? And how are they helping insurers to reach new customers and expand their offerings? So with regards to online marketplaces for insurance needs, 70% of consumers, they're going to go online or to a marketplace and get a quote. But less than 30% are actually going to purchase online. And over the last three years, online issuance hasn't increased that much. In fact, it was 25% three years ago. It's now at 30%. So rather than calling out company names, I'm going to talk a little bit about value props that resonate and then companies that fall into that, I think are really well suited. And that is omni-channel service options is essential. And that means that a policyholder, they're going to start their journey potentially online, but they have to be able to conveniently switch 
switch to an advisor, a human, maybe even a chatbot, but definitely there has to be the human option. What's important here is that the information that's collected either via the digital web front end or via the chatbot, it has to be available to the human advisor to pick up and fulfill the transaction. A policyholder will not tolerate having to repeat information already collected. And a really good example of this, of course, consumer scalable example is Amazon. You can start on the phone, you can transition over the web and you can go to the human and they always have the most up-to-date information on you and on your shopping cart. So that's number one. And number two is personalization. Consumers expect personalization as a standard feature in every single industry. And this metric from McKinsey, organizations that provide best-in-class personalization can see increases of 25% in revenue. But what's important here for personalization, and I'm sure you'll agree, is data and analytics to create a very tailored policy and coverage flow or journey, depending upon who the consumer is. And again, Zalros is an excellent example of a value prop that delivers personalization via the recommendation engine. And then the third thing I want to highlight in the final is integration to a modern insurance platform is key. Okay, clearly I'm biased here, but it's imperative that carriers have one objective source of the truth for the product, for the customer, for the rates, so that the carrier can trust at all times that they have the freshest, highest quality data to run analysis on. So anyway, it's those three things that I think are absolutely key to your question. And any value props of insurtechs that fall into those three, I think will do very well in our market. And do you think that people don't pull the trigger on online marketplaces because it's just human nature? Can you need somebody there? Or do you feel like there will be a time where that number will be closer to 70, 80%? I think about it this way. Why am I willing to purchase an airplane ticket online? And I don't think twice about it. Why will I buy a pair of jeans off of Amazon and not think twice about it? And it could be the same price as insurance, if not more. Some jeans can be really pricey. It's because I trust that this brand will refund if I'm not happy with the product that I've purchased, that they have security in place that will protect my online payment. I have faith in them and in their technology. Number two is insurance is complex. Like I've worked in the industry for over 20 years and I still don't buy my complex products online. I'll buy a warranty online. I'll buy renter's insurance online, but I will not buy life insurance. There is so many complexities to it that I might start my search online, but I would always want to be able to end with a human because I have something really important to lose. So when we get one and two figured out for insurance, make it more digestible products, make it easier to understand. Uh, there's more visibility into what's happening behind the scenes. I think you will see numbers increase. Yeah, but there's always going to be that life insurance and the things that you have to pay a lot for. And that's very personal that you're always going to need a human there. You hit on it, Ash, which is the personalization. Really what the human provides is that personalized journey for the end consumer. And for certain products, it is really essential unless the carrier breaks them down into something that's really digestible, visible, easy to understand. This special edition of my recent appearance on the Insure Break podcast series will continue after this short break. Stay tuned. Loving Insure Talk with Laura Drabik? For more expert insights and inspiration, subscribe to Laura's email newsletter at drabikdigest.com, your one-stop resource for Laura's latest blog posts, videos, podcasts, articles, and more. That's www.drabikdigest.com. Now let's get back to the show. 
Welcome back to Insure Talk. This is Laura Drabeck, and we're listening in on an abbreviated version of a recent episode of the Insure Break podcast series, where I was interviewed by host Ash Farage about the rise of insure tech ecosystems and what they mean to the industry. We always ask each speaker about diversity, equity, and inclusion. What are your thoughts on DEI and tech? And if you have a personal story to share, that would be great. Yeah, I think it's a positive that this question is even being asked in your podcast. So first of all, thank you for asking about it. And secondly, it highlights how important this issue is in every single industry, including insurance. So I'm going to let oh, our audience into a little secret, which is I started insurance over 20 years ago and in fact, there might be three decades in there. And when I started, it was very homogenous. It was a sea of sameness. I'm over the moon to see that it has changed significantly, in particular over the last five years. And I think it has everything to do with carriers actively implementing and supporting DEI programs because insurance is for everyone. It's not just for a homogenous group of people. So we need diversity in insurance to build better insurance products that are better suited for the new consumer so that adjusters can handle claims more empathetically and personalized to a diverse claimant, as well as provide in general more personalized service throughout the entire insurance life cycle. That makes a lot of sense. Every human being needs insurance and we're all, all diverse. So it'd be great to have a diverse group of people to cater to that. So that makes a lot of sense. Talk to me about Girls in Tech. You're a board member there. Could you tell us more about the work the organization does to promote gender equality in the industry? The mandate of this global nonprofit is to increase diversity in tech. And to accomplish this, we do it through education. If you go to the website, you can see we run all these different programs. We have hackathons for social good. We have masterclass sessions, which are trained by the leading experts in certain subject matters. We have mentoring programs. And then also on the flip side of that for companies, we have job boards and we have the Girls in Tech Conference across the globe. We have thousands of people that come to the Girls in Tech Conference, and it gives companies visibility to a diverse set of women to are potentially employ. It's so inspiring to hear that you're doing this kind of work. And by the way, how do you measure the impact of these programs? Is it how many jobs you're placing? How do you measure that? Yeah. And that's something that we do struggle with. You're right. Ultimately, it should be how many women are joining the tech industry in the countries where we have chapters. I think it's 38 different chapters across the world. So we do look at, are we affecting any of those metrics? We look at things like how many sponsoring companies we have. So we have Nike, we have Pega, we have Guidewire sponsoring us. So every year we look to see if we can grow the sponsoring companies. We also try to understand which programs are resonating and are being consumed, how many are accessing them. And then we use it to refine our approach in the future. And then also our job boards. And are they leading to hiring opportunities? That's something where we really have to rely upon the sponsoring company to feed us back those metrics. But overall, Ash, you hit it on the head, which is it's how many women are joining the tech industry. So the final question is, if you could go back 20 years, what advice would you 
you give your younger self? I think I have three pieces of information that I would give myself or recommendations. It'd be number one, get a mentor. Doesn't matter if it's female or male. Find someone who knows you and is in a position that can help guide you where you want to go in your career. Number two, find your voice. Too often when I was younger, I would actually give my ideas to a male counterpart or to my boss and have them represent the ideas. And it wasn't until my boss at Guidewire, Steve Sherry, he said, Laura, that's it. You're representing your own ideas from this point forward. Have faith. And number three, sit at the table. Too often you walk into a conference room, you got the conference table and there's that outer ring. And that's where a lot of our women sit. And I get that because you might not be confident and it provides a barrier. But the thing is, if you want to be heard and you want to be able to say important things and share your ideas, you need to sit at the table. Yeah. And it's also on allies to create a comfortable space for people to be able to step into that circle. That's an excellent um, point, Ash. As leaders, when we are sitting at the table, leave a chair open. And when you see someone come in that might be junior or not comfortable at the table, have them take that seat, pull your chair back so that they can be seen or specifically ask them their thoughts on some topic of discussion. As leaders, be allies and advocates. We hope you've enjoyed this abbreviated version of my recent guest appearance on InsureBreak. And a big thank you to Ash Farage and the InsureBreak team at Salrose. I hope we've helped drive home for listeners that success in PNC insurance isn't just about ideas. It's about making ideas happen. Tune in next time for an all-new episode of Insure Talk with Laura Dravik, brought to you by Guidewire, the platform PNC insurers trust to engage, innovate, and grow efficiently. For more information, visit guidewire.com.